Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 317. Two episodes in the same week. Yes, yes, it's really happening. It really is. I'm heading out on the road again on Saturday, so I wanted to release another episode and introduce you all to another one of the bright young stars in college golf. My next stop will be Birmingham, Alabama for the SEC men's match play hosted by the man himself, Jerry Pate. Is the SEC the strongest conference in college golf? Defending national champions Florida will be there along with Vanderbilt, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, and last year's match play champions, Tennessee. So yeah, this is a stacked conference. And while many teams already have a tournament under their belt, this is the one event that identifies who is already in midseason form and who might need a little work done before next spring. Make sure you are following SEC Match Play and the Back of the Range on Instagram. Next week, I have another episode coming out where my guest is Dudley Hart, the associate head coach of the Florida Gators. You do not want to miss that episode. Again, following on social media is a smart thing to do right about now. And the best way to learn more about the Back of the Range is to head over to the website, thebackoftherange.com. So my guest on this episode is Mega Gane, who kicked off her sophomore season at Stanford with an impressive victory at the Carmel Cup. This is her first collegiate victory, and it's an important one because it was a prerequisite to her appearing here as a guest at the back of the range. And to be clear, this is not something that I enforced. This was Mega's idea. She didn't want to come onto the podcast until she won in college. So as soon as the ink was dry on her scorecard at Pebble Beach, she immediately called me, told me that she won. And No, I'm, I'm kidding. That is not how that happened. But it's a good story. It's a good story. Now, Mega's story thus far is even better. She first had her Hello World moment when she was the low amateur at the U.S. Women's Open in 2021. She finished T14. She was the AJGA Player of the Year in 2021. She went undefeated at the Curtis Cup in 2022, and her personality seems to always be cranked all the way up to an 11. Now, she was an alternate on the 2021 Curtis Cup team. I spoke with everyone on that team. Now, Mega did not hit a shot in competition, but every single member said that she had the most infectious personality, the most positive outlook, and she was an above-average DJ. In this episode, we spoke about her start in the game, what makes Stanford, Stanford, some teammates of hers that you may have heard of before, the best place for ribs in California, and the best place to look for a prom date on short notice. Yes, we covered a lot, and we also learned a lot in this episode. Mega, great to finally have you here at the back of the range. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm I'm excellent. Uh, finally enjoying some downtime here in South Florida. I hear uh, we were just talking. I, I love this story of just you know. I keep forgetting that not everyone is a Floridian. You were just in Tampa, Florida, correct? I, I was just in Tampa, Florida. Okay, so let's talk about your experience in Florida. How much you love Florida, and how much you're thinking about moving to Florida and using that as your home base. Uh, you know, later on, no. what once no? no, what happened? What happened there? I just, I just 
I loved, you know, I went there for like a, a boondoggle with my Stanford friends. However, I was just shocked at how much I really do, like the volume of mosquitoes that exist there versus the rest of the world. And also, like, I just has been spending so much time in California. Like, I just can't be anywhere else anymore. I'm, I'm getting spoiled by the weather, which is bad because it was a really nice trip. But like there was just alligators and mosquitoes and it was humid and I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. No. Okay. You know, you know that some of these tournaments that you're going to play in in college and maybe at the professional ranks, they, they put a lot of these tournaments in Florida. Yeah, I've noticed that. So we're, just... we're going to just, you know, we're going to see how that goes. But that was just my observation on Florida. Well, you've been traveling a lot. Uh, it's funny. We kind of, I mean, we almost crossed paths in Scotland of all places. Uh, I was there for, for Walker Cup and you were there on i mean if you don't mind me using your favorite word you were there on another an international boondoggle with the uh, yeah. with the stanford women's team so um this is not a tournament this is something that universities do uh kind of take these international you know trips and play a little golf what um I, i'm guessing you played some golf what are some of the courses that you played while you were there we um yeah it was a bonding trip it was super nice not that you know, we don't bond every yeah, other day. Yeah, I was going to say, the Stanford women's team is, uh, yeah, they have, do you have matching tattoos yet, or has is, is it not gotten that far? No, not yet, but there are some, yeah, you know, it might happen in the future. I understand. Um, no, yeah, we're, we're all very close, but, you know, obviously closer after a week-long trip like that, where we don't have to worry about, like, a competition or anything, and we're just playing leisure golf, which, honestly, I do not do often with them, so that was really enjoyable. And, um, yeah, how was, how was St. Andrews? How was the Walker? It was, uh, as advertised, it was incredible. I'm not sure what weather you got there, but we had, I mean, it was, it was Southern California or actually. I totally forgot the question you even asked me. Okay. I'm going to repeat. I'm going to go again. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So we played, it was, we played seven different courses. So it's, I might forget a few, but we played, um, Royal Aberdeen, Cruden Bay, Glen Eagles, um, Trump Aberdeen, and uh, <laughs> a few more. They will. They will come. Oh, Royal Doorknock. Yep. And, um, I think that's solid. I got five out of seven. So it's pretty good. That's a lot of golf. Um, and and you, you know, now I know that you played with the team in Curtis Cup in Wales in twenty one. I know you didn't play in any matches. Uh, you were you were an alternate or whatever they they called that during COVID. But you def obviously played golf over there. Um, that's a, that's a different style than maybe what you're used to growing up in Jersey and obviously playing, uh, playing in California for Stanford. I really like it. Um, I think sometimes like you don't get the opportunity to be as creative when you're playing in the States as you do there yeah. and like, hitting a knockdown is one of my favorite shots. So like, even when it's not windy, I'll just pull it out sometimes for fun. So I like, I like playing entire rounds where you're, you know, hitting the ball like that, playing the wind. And yeah, it's, it's really fun. Awesome. It's just something different. It's nice to switch it up. You know, we've bumped into each other here and there, whether it's Curtis cups or at uh, Augusta national women's amateur. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but you know, you told me, you know, I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a while and um, mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of 
playing a while. Hard, a while, I have, and you know, you you kind of been playing hard to get, and you said, "Look, I don't want to be on your." Pod. I wasn't. I wasn't playing hard to get. I, I I was just saying. I was just saying. I don't think I was worthy of the podcast till I won a tournament. So I was like, "Let me just wait till then." I didn't think it was going to take two years. That's that's my fault. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, own, owning up to your your mistakes is is that shows maturity. So <laughs> I'm glad to see that. But I mean, you told me, look, I, like you said, I don't want to come on the podcast till I pick up a win. Now, you just picked up your first collegiate win at the Carmel Cup at Pebble Beach a couple weeks ago. Four-shot victory, and I'm sure that walk-up 18 at Pebble must have been just an incredible experience. But here's my question. Were you taking it all in and looking out into the Pacific Ocean, or were you thinking, oh, my gosh, I, I, I think I just punched my ticket to be at the back of the range. Is that what you were thinking? I mean, where where it crossed my mind for sure. And not only just the 18th, but I was thinking that the whole day. You're lying. You're lying. I don't believe anything you're saying. No, right I I'm like, I'm going to I did back in the range. It was not one of the thoughts in my head that day, but you know, it was soon after. Is that, wow. is that better? That's, that's better. Well, maybe we can edit that into sounding better for me, but no, no, that's perfect. Um, so yeah, first, first win as, as a, a collegiate golfer, at Pebble Beach, I, how was the weather there? Because we just talked about how you like playing the wind. Pebble, you can get all sorts of different types of weather. What was it like there? Um, the days we played were actually fairly mellow. I think I think one of the days, I think it was maybe day two, was windy. Um, but it was not that cold. Like, subtle winds, but not anything, like, crazy for Pebble Beach. So, Sweet. it was, uh, yeah. Some of the pins were tough. It played kind of long. It wasn't anything crazy, but it is Pebble Beach, so you could play in fine conditions and still find a way to make a big number. So yeah. definitely had to keep my head on straight the entire week. Well, three solid rounds in the 60s, that normally gets it done. Of course, you know, with, with college golf, who knows? Um, write a passage here at the back of the range. Let listeners know where you grew up, where you got into the game, who got you started. As we mentioned, mm-hmm. you're a Jersey girl, so... When uh, when did you get into the game of golf? When did it kind of grab you uh, and and become part of your life? So I started when I was seven years old. My dad was um, a golfer, like kind of, he played a little bit, but like he always went to the driving range a lot. And my mom, uh, whenever we were both annoying her, would want us to <laughs> find an activity outside of the house. So my dad would bring me to the driving range, and um, I can't say that I really liked golf, but I. I liked the um, the halfway house snacks, ah. so that kind of that kind of kept me going because I was kind of like I don't think my parents were like no sugar type people, but it was definitely like there was a lot of restrictions. But sure. when I went to the golf course, my dad was like, "Yeah, six pack Oreos, that sounds great. Like, give me two. Wow. So that's what kept me going back. And then I started playing competition, and I did like first tee, girls golf, U.S. kids, um, all the local stuff, summer camps. Um, and then I eventually got, like, pretty into it. Like, I was a competitive swimmer also. And then there became a point, I think I was maybe 11 or 12, where I had to choose between golf and swimming. And um, I chose golf. I'm very glad I did. Golf, golf has I, more mosquitoes, though, just so you know. <laughs> it's, I haven't willing to take the sacrifice. I understand. Um, uh, and then I met my coach, Katie. Um, because she was speaking at a, a junior event and she saw me on the range and has been my coach since then. So I've known her now for over um, 10 years, which is crazy. Wow. 
That is, uh, yeah, that's, so you've had a coach for 10 years. Now, I can't let this slide. Uh, snacks, halfway houses, um, you know, always like going off topic and talking about what are the favorite snacks of the best amateurs in the world. So, yeah, uh, what are so what are the like the go to's that you keep in your bag, the standards? And then what are the you know, I'm going off the rails here. Oh, my gosh, this golf course has uh, the best halfway house that's just completely, you know, utterly junk food. But yeah, it's like an indulgence. So so what's kind of mm-hmm. the, what's kind of the day to day? I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not a big I'm not a big like foodie, especially on the golf course. Like I was as a, as a little kid, but right. I, I generally don't eat at all during rounds. Okay. And if I do, like even at Stanford now, like we our coaches ask us what we want for snacks, and then usually someone else takes the reins, and I'll just be like, yeah, like just double whatever they had. So sure. I'm, I'm like, it's it, there's I really couldn't even give you. I mean, dried mango maybe that's okay. a little unique. Yeah, those are good. Those are good. Yeah nothing um nothing special and halfway houses like there's there's some really solid ones like there was yeah marion speaking of had a great halfway house yep marion's good uh i was actually out at uh i was there for a couple days early at the national championship silverleaf out there was a little bit uh a little bit a little bit nuts and um trying to think this summer when i was on my travels with the lead amateur golf series um you know brook hollow had of course it was 110 degrees out so anything that had air conditioning didn't really matter the snacks but yeah brook hollow in dallas texas is pretty solid pretty solid yeah so you get into competition that kind of grabs you i feel like that is kind of something that's different with elite amateurs um, as opposed to just kids that get into the game. Once they get a hold of that competition and they feel the excitement of picking up a trophy or the disappointment of missing out on picking up a trophy, there's like no turning back. Do you have that moment just kind of when you're a kid where, okay, I got this shiny trophy and I'm hooked. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think it was necessarily golf that did that for me, but it definitely brought it out. Um, I think I was always fairly competitive, whether it was, like, things in school or, like, I don't know, like, even in, like, even when I swam, I just really loved competition, sure. and, you know, if you if you got a medal, it was a good day, and if you didn't, it wasn't, so, um, yeah, golf was just, like, golf was good, because it's, like, definitely the most challenging thing I had ever done, um, and... Yeah, you just no matter how good you get, like there's always someone who's better. So I just I think it was a good thing to put my view. It's kind of interesting you bring up swimming because as a kid, I'm thinking, you know, like with golf, you can practice and practice. And then, you know, let's say you go play nine holes. That's still a two, two hour, three hour kind of ordeal. But with mm-hmm. swimming, we're talking like literally, you know, a minute or two. And you find out if you win or you lose right then and there. And that has to be something pretty good about getting that competitive juices going quickly. Yeah. I really love swim, which is very different from golf. So I think that's interesting. But uh, it was really cool. I think I just love competition. And I think I'm super happy I chose golf. I love it so much. But I think no matter what sport I I had done, like I would have still had that competitiveness in me. So I am like just, you know, I think – talent's a very minimal part of anything you do and especially in a sport like golf you need like you know all the values of hard work and wanting to get better in that drive so yeah I think that's what I credit to um you know how I am the player I am today now you you wanted to attend if I'm if I have this right you wanted to go to Stanford pretty early on this was you know target that you'd said 
Um, but you're a kid from Jersey. What what did you really know about Stanford other than maybe watching, you know, Maria Stackhouse and Shannon O'Bear and Casey Danielson on Golf Channel during the national championship? What did you know about Stanford other than maybe just what you would see on TV from the outside looking in? I mean, that's pretty much all I knew. I mean, I knew about Ivy Leagues as a young kid. And before I got into golf, I knew that I wanted to go there just because uh, I really just cared about, you know, surrounding myself with some of the best, you know, whether it's in the classroom or in your sport. And then when I found out how good Stanford's team was and watching Mariah Stackhouse and Alban Valenzuela and yeah. my dad told me about them. And I think my dad's dream is also for me to go to um Stanford too so it kind of just it kind of just made sense and I fell in love with it pretty early I went to a golf camp there when I was 11 met coach Walker and told her I wanted to go there and then she was like okay uh, <laughs> and then a few a few years later kind of kind of gave myself a few credentials to talk to her again and um super gratefully like it all worked out and yeah I'm just happy I, I don't know what my second option would have been, so I'm really happy that Stanford worked out. I, I just, you know, obviously I wasn't doing the podcast back then when, uh, you know, Stanford won the national championship. and But I think back all the time to just the cameras on Golf Channel going right at Maria and Shannon as they were just yelling their – or actually it was Shannon yelling her face off as Mariah was knocking down putts. And I'm just yeah. thinking, like, how many how many, you know, girls – we're watching that, and here I am talking to one of them where I'm sure that was a huge influence saying, okay, this team looks fun. Yeah, definitely. It uh, it just it looks fun, and it is fun, as fun as it looks. So, um, I, feel like, I feel like a lot of people think, you know, what you see on Golf Channel isn't what it's like behind the scenes, but in my experience, it 100% has been. So um, it's year one definitely exceeded all of my expectations in the back. Now, I've had some Cardinal alums on this podcast. I've actually had your coach, Ann Walker, on the podcast as well, but I'm thinking Brandon Wu, Isaiah Salinda, Henry Shimp. These are guys that were on that um, 2019 national championship team. And, you know, your student athletes, and that's at Stanford especially, the student part really does come first. Um, I know it's a challenging uh, environment academically, and if I remember right, I'd actually had to look this up. So I, I didn't remember correctly. So I looked it up. Brandon's major was product design. I don't, mm -hmm. know, I don't know what that is. Isaiah's major, science, technology, and society. Don't know what that mm -hmm. is. Shemp is just a, he's just a genius and he plays golf too. But management, science, and engineering, master's degree, then science, technology, and society for a bachelor's. I don't know what any of that is, but I looked up your major <laughs> And I am so familiar with your major because as someone that took seven years and three schools to graduate college, I know what yours is. So what's your major right now? What do you, I didn't declare a major. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Don't know where you're going. Don't know what you're doing. Don't have a major. That, I was like, do you know something I don't? Because I don't. I actually, but I will say I am leaning heavily towards science, technology, and society. All right. Uh, Your first goal, yeah. though, is to try and explain to listeners what that is. I've had other people try and do it. Go ahead. Okay. Let me preface this by saying I do think multiple different majors at Stanford, you know, just add a few extra words to make it sound bigger than it is. Oh, so Stanford So Stanford is actually in the marketing game of making their <laughs> ice. It is. 
I, you know, classes and requirements and everything, no matter what major you do at Stanford is um, without a doubt, very difficult. And you, everyone, including the student athletes are very bright people from what I've seen. But uh, so science, technology and society is like, it's, it's a super broad major. So that's not really saying much, but there's six different concentrations in it that like completely kind of vary what it could be about. So there's like a, a policy and politics route, or there's a data, like a data science route. And there's like a, um, like a sustainability and innovation type route. And so you can kind of choose, I don't know what I'm going to do within then within that major yet, but it's like, it's kind of like choosing a major without choosing a major. Cause you can take a bunch of classes that fall into that category. If uh-huh. that makes sense. I, I no, I understand they've created a major yeah. for people to pick so that it looks better on the website as opposed to undeclared. The major for people who don't know what they want to major in. Uh-huh. Now I'm getting... But again, I am... I'm just a first year and who knows what I'm talking about, so I wouldn't take that at face value. No, but this is really good stuff. Like, I I feel like listeners and myself have learned something about Stanford that they're... They, you know, it's a little <laughs> bit of the shell game. They kind of create this little of an aura. And uh, it's okay. You know, don't, don't do undeclared. Aura is real. The classes are difficult. It is, it is difficult, but some, the, just the names are kind of, if you can't really tell what something is by the name sometimes. That's all I'm trying to say. I don't know. I understand. Yeah. I remember talking yeah. to Brandon and Isaiah um, and they were telling about like a roommate that they had that was working on an app. And I'm like, oh, cool. What's it about? They're like, we can't talk about it. I'm like, all right, moving on. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Like, all right, I get it. Um, so Stanford, like, it's really interesting. You you can't, you know, you just finished your first year. You really can't hide, at least from what I can uh, tell, you really can't hide when you're playing college golf at Stanford, especially in the women's team. You know, every tournament you're the favorite. You guys get a lot of media attention. You're all super talented. And, you know, let's let's be fair. Like you said, you're all young, trying to figure out how to be a young adult, balancing life and school and golf. And then you got people like me that want to talk to you and ask questions. How does, I guess, the culture and Coach Walker, how does everything stay locked in? Um, like that's kind of a hard question to answer because, okay, I'm going to answer this, but don't take this the wrong way because of my wording. But I feel like in some ways, the fact that Stanford is its own little bubble, that it really helps that because you're surrounded by people like, you know, you like on the outside looking in, in the golf community, you might I'm going to use Rose as an example and you know Rose is like the greatest thing to walk on earth in in my eyes going into Stanford and she is like she's I think one of the greatest in the game this is Rose this is Rose Zhang you're talking about this is Rose Zhang are you familiar oh okay yeah I heard some things she was in our she was on our team last year cool sounds like a nice person she had a few wins she's a little under the radar but you know great person and she like you know, she's so impressive, but then she goes onto campus and meets someone in, you know, a different field or a different sport or, you know, in the classroom or someone developing an app or whatever it may be. That's just equally as impressive. And so sometimes good and bad, you feel like you're not doing anything out of the ordinary when in reality, everyone there kind of is. So I think like being on the Stanford campus, you sometimes forget, like, you forget that what it's like there is not what it's like everywhere. Um, gotcha. So, so I, I feel like it is, it kind of gets naturally protected from all that outside stuff. And then on top of that, coach Walker is, is really brilliant and how she leads our team and um, keeps our, 
mindset's really clear and focused and doesn't let anything from the outside kind of wander its way into our team dynamics. So, uh, yeah, everything just feels feels like a little bubble, but not necessarily in a bad way. Well, and I guess, you know, if you're going to go through that program, you also have to understand what's coming with it. I mean, you know, like I said, you go to tournaments, you guys are expected to win. So that's that's probably something that your team is – I don't want to say practicing for, but you're at least you're, I'm guessing you're at least preparing for it. You have to understand like you, you it's not like you have one year, like, or two years, Hey, just kind of go with the flow. You know, this is what it means to play for Stanford. It, it, it is just kind of what it means. And it can be intimidating coming in a lot of times, but it's what you sign up for when you are trying to get recruited here. So you kind of mentally start preparing for it before you get here. And um, once you get on the team, everyone's in the same boat. So you, you, you all know which direction to go in. Now, you mentioned Rose. Um, you know, still remains to be seen what, what what she'll do in her professional career. She's obviously, she picked up a win in her first uh, pro start, so she's uh, literally off to the races. But, you know, her amateur career will be talked about for years to come as one of the best of all time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember having her on the podcast. She talked about some of her practice routines. I, I love the, the four-footers, the hundred in a row of four-footers. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I asked her, you know, I playfully asked her like, so would I, would it be good for me to introduce myself to you after you missed your 97th? And she's like, no, I'm like, got it. Cool. Um, <laughs> so dumb question, but I feel like, you know, for casual follower followers of, of golf that may not be super familiar, what in your eyes make makes her so damn good? Because, you know, the women's game is different from the men's game. No one's going to go out and see Rosang hitting at 350. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like, I don't want to say her game's boring, or I don't want to say anyone at that level is boring, but it's not like someone's going to be like, oh, I get it. I see what makes her different. Is that fair? Yeah. Did I word that okay? Yeah, I think that's, you know, observation that every single person has when they watch her play golf. Um, and it, it, I kind of thought the same too for a while, but after a year, like, obviously I don't know the answer exactly, but in my opinion, I think for starters, she works just about as hard as the hardest worker, you know, um, but that's not necessarily what is going to set her apart because I think everyone, our team is very hardworking and, you know, everyone's putting in the hours and doing the same stuff and, um, she has every part of her game is really fine tuned and her short game is definitely a strength of hers, but I think it's all kind of just in her head and how she treats tournament weeks and going into it and how she takes each shot, each hole apart, never, never like stalks a leaderboard, never tries to make anything happen, just kind of accepts what comes her way. Um, does it and, get frustrated if she doesn't birdie a birdieable hole or never goes in with a number in mind of like, I want to shoot this number today. Um, which, you know, sounds basic when you hear me say it, but if you think about how many players actually follow that very religiously in terms of like the amount of discipline you have with each shot and where you hit it and not pressing, it's very, very few. And I thought I was like that until I watched to the degree she did it and then learned that I just wasn't. So I really think her that that part of her mental game, along with, you know, everything else, her her calm, her confidence, her worth ethic, that that's what just puts it together. And she's really sure of herself and works really hard. So yeah, I'm very happy for her and I've definitely learned a lot. 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens with her career over the next few years. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur. You've played in three of them. Um, fantastic finish this year, T9. Um, Thank you. Was your first, yeah, excellent finish, your first cut made. Um, this championship is still in its infancy, but the last couple of years, you know, two close friends of yours have, have won. Uh, Anna, mm-hmm. Anna won in 22, Rose this past year in 23. A lot of players say it's harder to watch someone else versus them competing. What was it like for you to watch Anna and watch Rose compared to you being out there like playing yourself? Because I know you're so close with them, and I'd like to think that if you were out there playing and they're watching you, they would probably feel the same way. But you're all, not just watching them, but also watching your teammates come down the stretch. Is watching kind of something that's difficult for you? It depends on who I'm watching, but okay. I think when watching some of my friends like like Anna or Rose or my teammates, I have so much trust in them and I know how good they are. I never have a doubt when I'm watching them. So it's really enjoyable to root them, root for them when they're coming down the stretch. And even when Rose is in that playoff this year and Come on. Come on. Things, things, things <laughs> are looking at me. I had no doubts. Not at any point. So uh yeah, but I can see definitely if you ask my parents that question, watching is the worst experience on the planet when in that situation. But um, yeah, I mean, I just know the type of players they are, and I know if it's meant to be, it happens. So I, I really like watching. Yeah, I um, I've talked to a lot of parents, and it's there's some parents that are like, yeah, I'm just here to watch my kid. This is a cool experience. And there's other parents that I'm like, all right, we better make sure there's a medic nearby because this parent is not <laughs> holding it together very well. Oh. Uh-huh. 100%. What's your favorite part of Anwa? The whole thing from the moment ah, I arrived. Come on, give me, give me. A, no, it is. It literally is. I love that event with all my art, which is why I was broken when I missed the cut for two years in a row when it started. Um, it's just great. It's a good place. Well, do you want me to? It, it, do you want me? To- do you want me to say the chicken and waffles club was that the no right no 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 i was gonna i was just gonna throw it for, there. That, for everyone listening that is that is the the get together that ben hosts yes during the week and it's the, it's the highlight of everyone's week stop it get out of here get out of here with that um <laughs> i heard though that anwa you wouldn't think though you heard i would i heard that it's kind of a good place to pick up a prom date okay <laughs> <laughs> we, we, let's, let's, let me let me preface here what happened. Basically, after my my poor showing at the Anwa, I was like, "That's it. I'm I'm not gonna make the Curtis Cup team," which I ended up making, but I didn't know that at the time. I was like, "I'm done for." And you know what? This is why I didn't even think about missing the Curtis Cup because my prom was during Curtis Cup. Right. And I was like, "Well, now now everyone has a date, and I'm just gonna go alone. Like this is awful." So I was just kidding around, and I was like, oh, "We got we got to find someone right now." But yeah, I had, I ended up getting the pick, so it wasn't a problem that we had to worry about. Yeah, I, I, you know, people ask me, well, you must have the coolest job, and like, you know, what are the you go to all these weird, you know, go all these great places, and I'm like, yeah, but there's also these odd times when like you're walking around Augusta National with Mega Gane and uh, and and Erica Shepard. Apparently, we're I, I'm walking while they're looking for Mega's prom date, which seems kind of odd, and I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> Yeah. No, it's it's true. These are real problems with schedules. Yeah. 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 
I, I understand. Um, so let's talk about your junior career just a little bit. We, we kind of skipped over that, but I definitely want to touch on that. I mean, AJJ Player of the Year, three-time All-American. You were low-am. I think that was kind of your coming-out party. Low-am at U.S. Women's Open in 21, uh, you know, T14, and, and, and the world kind of got to know Mega Gane. What is maybe the – first of all, where is the state of your game now compared to two years ago? Has it changed uh, much or so much better? Even though, like, I don't know, like, I just yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mean like stats. I don't mean like, well, you know, my stroke uh, average is this. I'm not talking about that. I mean, you, you know what I'm getting at. Well, I don't keep stats, which well, you know, there's, I there's websites that do, but you understand what I'm saying. That's one of my goals this year, by the way. I'm gonna become a stats person. Oh boy. What do you mean, oh boy? I'm just, I mean, well, well, that goes with your major of science, technology, and society. Check back with me in a year. I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna be like, yeah, like sixty four point seven percent. Like, I'm gonna give you all the numbers. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, what was the question? Oh, my game. Um. Okay. Let me think. Uh. I feel like okay. A lot of parts of my game are better. I think I've worked a lot on my ball striking over the years, and I definitely because of the end well actually because I was like I just need to hit it higher and have more spin and a little bit farther. So that's definitely been accomplished, and I have a lot more confidence when I'm approaching greens now. Um, as far as the type of player I am, I think I'm fairly similar. And I think, yeah, I think my mindset, the only thing that's really changed is I'm a lot more disciplined now and, and continuing to try to be more disciplined and, uh, you know, try to stop going in with, going in with an expectation of any sort um which doesn't mean that you don't try your absolute hardest but kind of just remove like remove playing a hole or a shot in your head ahead of time before you even hit it like which is kind of harder than it sounds but that's definitely what's made me a more consistent and see a lot more like rounds in the 60s in the last few years than i have before so and i got my first win which actually yeah. took a so it's nice to know that you're going in the right direction with stuff like that. And uh, winning in college is definitely difficult. So it's nice to have that reassurance. Well, uh, also, I would, I would imagine that, you know, transitioning to college, well, this couldn't have been a super easy transition for you. You basically killed it in junior golf. You were the, the like I said, high, you know, player of the year in 2021. And then you're going into a freshman year in college when you have Rose Zhang, Rachel Heck, you know, this, this, this massive, massively successful program with all these expectations, you know, you were the PAC 12 freshman of the year. I mean, it wasn't a complete disaster first year. Uh, you, you had a fantastic year. So th I guess the transition couldn't have been easy because the expectations are going to be like, well, you got to win three times. You got to win four times if you're going to keep, you know, keep at the same level with your teammates. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, I, I think the transition, like the immediate transition, like from high school to that summer before going to college and then that whole fall season was actually really seamless um, in terms of school and tournaments and travel and being on the team. But I think, you know, getting towards the spring where your season's picking up and yeah. you just you really want to play well and you just start to realize like, wow, like this year has been kind of crazy. Like I don't have any breaks in my schedule and um, I'm playing more tournaments in golf than I ever have before, especially now that you're in California versus New Jersey. I used to take a long, relaxing break over the winter, and yeah. I definitely did 
that. So that part was difficult, but I, I don't see that being a huge thing in the next year years because because uh, now I just I'm used to it. But I think I think the one the thing that was tough was playing more golf than I ever had. I think the expectation part I managed fairly well, and I had really good teammates and coaches around me where that part didn't really I didn't really that didn't really cross my mind. But just the the amount of golf I was playing, I was like, oh my god, is this what I have to do every day? <laughs> yeah that's... even though even though i love it it's just so much yeah well yeah four top 10 seven top 20s uh you know more than half of your rounds were at par or better so um these are stats by the way you'll be keeping those i won't need to tell you about any of this next year i'm so excited to learn that you're going to be a stats person I'm going to tell you the stats. I, I would love for that to happen next year. I'll we'll yep. have you back on the podcast and you will just read all this off to me. Now, as listeners are probably starting to figure out your, your personality is, uh, let's see, it's uh bubbly. We'll leave, we'll, we'll use that word bubbly. Um, all right. There are, there are, and I mean, there are players that I run into through my travels where I don't even bother acknowledging them when, while they're playing, cause they'll just look right through me. And then afterwards we'll, we'll be fine. But when they're in, in the middle of a tournament or in the middle of a round, they're just, they're in a different planet. You, on the yeah. other hand, we were talking as you were walking down the fairway at Marion during the Curtis cup, uh, yeah. during well I was just, I was just concerned. I was like, wow, they're really letting anybody in. So I was just, it was more of like a, a safety thing. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm so, so happy to so so hurtful all right let, let's get back on track here uh no I'm, I, I understand uh, you got to be cautious of just any idiot running around but i guess where i was going with this whole question is do you have to kind of do you manage your personality and your natural tendencies out on the golf course do you try and be more tunnel vision and laser focused or do you just say look this is who i am uh i'm gonna play to the crowds or i'm gonna talk to people how do you manage that i don't i it just comes naturally i've never really thought about it um if you ask me in my head i'm being super super serious and then you know people have obviously told me i don't come across like that right when i'm on course but you know in my head i'm really focused and i think i think the key thing for me is just making sure i'm in a good mood no matter what that is and um if if that's you know if that's how i need to act and care of myself so that you know a lot of positive vibes from just the way walking, talking, and the moments in between shots, and that's what it is. And yeah, just keeping myself in a good mood is what I try to do. So, my so you're you're not trying to say, okay, I'm I'm gonna kind of change my personality now that it's a tournament. You're just not no right. I'm not, like a, I'm not doing that. Okay, okay. Well, that's a good that's a good takeaway because I know a lot of you know young kids they look what they see on TV. And they think that okay, I'm I'm supposed to look all serious and and intimidating and focused and and for some maybe that fits their personality. But if it truly doesn't, then why put that energy into trying to be someone you're not? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So we got this year coming up. We got off to a good start. Um, you know, we haven't talked about Rachel Heck, and I uh, let's talk. Well, I want to, you know, I've heard these rumors uh, and I truly don't remember where I heard it. I'm not trying to be secretive, but, um, and this is a really out of left field question, but have have you seen Rachel Heck's rib since it was removed after her surgery? I have. 
All right. Yeah. What what's going on with this? Because I'm hearing things that the, it just shows up some places. Is that right or wrong or like what? I know this is really weird, but can you shed some light on this? She's just um, she's a big fan of it. And I, we all are, too. Like, I think it's cool that you just see a rib sometimes. But she just brings it. It's in a, I don't know if it refers to a jar or a bag, but sometimes it just hangs out. Yeah. It just, nothing, it, it just hangs out. Yeah, it's just there. Okay. She brought it to a couple tournaments. I'm not sure which ones. I forget. I this may be the one time in the history of this podcast where I really don't have a follow up question. I don't really know what to say about that. I don't need to do a follow up. I think that's that. Okay. So <laughs> Rachel Rachel Hex Rib travels to Stanford golf tournaments in a jar. Yes. Okay. Um, well, uh, this has been fun. What else should we talk about? I, I'm kind of I've kind of pigeonholed myself into a corner where I don't know how to get out. What uh, What do you What's next for you this fall? What are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? Looking forward to going back to school, living with all the same people again. I made really good friends, non golf friends, my freshman year. Um, so you're not living with golfers? No. Interesting. Okay, that's a little bit. Uh, that that's like that probably has to be kind of fun i don't anyone or a few people on our team live each other but we're mostly like our freshman year everyone at stanford gets randomly assigned a roommate so you uh -huh. can't choose um yeah and they just became my best friends so we were running it back this year uh yeah that's pretty and you're going to go chase down that uh at academic gauntlet of science technology and society yeah. If I have a better explanation of what it is, I'll give it to you later. I'm I'm looking forward to that. And then also you have, I believe you have Eastlake Cup coming up. Yeah. That's gonna be cool. I always watch that one on TV. We didn't play a lot. <laughs> We're doing that and the Stevens Cup and then our home tournament. Nice. And then you guys break for the holidays and then try and run it back and uh, get back to the national championship next uh, next spring. Yep. And the Anwa in between. Oh yeah, you're gonna stop by Anwa, I think. Yeah, I'm gonna stop by. I understand. That'll be your wow. That's gonna be your fourth, and you're you're 19, 20 years old. You're gonna be 20. 19, or no, I'll be 20. Wow. Oh wow. So uh, old timer. All right, I'm going to get you out of here on this last question. Um, I've spent a lot of time on the men's side of college golf, but this year I'm going to be adding a few more women's events to my schedule. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard about this, but the back of the range is now an ambassador for the Annika Award and the Haskins Award. Um, so your, uh, your, your friend Rose Zhang won the Annika Award two years in a row before – she won it. Rachel Heck won it. So this is three consecutive years that an Annika Award winner has come out of the Stanford program. So let me ask you this one. If uh -huh. if, if Mega Gane doesn't win the Annika Award, who at, yeah. who at Stanford would you think might have, have, a, have, a, have a good shot? I know it's hard to drill it down to one, but what do you think? I mean, is there any uh, any odds you can give me on this? I just, I don't know how to answer that. I like, know it's it a terrible, it's a terrible question, but it's, you it's know. a horrible question. I'm not, I can't answer that. You can't answer it. All right. Well. I can't answer that. Well, but I will say, I think if you've won it once, you might, you probably won it twice. So. Whoa. Okay. I okay. see, I see what you did there. Yeah, and actually. But that, our team is so good and anyone 
Yeah, that's such a hard question to answer. It's it's not a fair question. I apologize. No. I shouldn't have done that to you. How? Here's a better one. How does yeah. this team? How does this team support each other so well as teammates while you're all focusing on such individual things like winning an Oscar award or winning a national championship or winning ANWA? There's so many individual things with golf. How do you mm-hmm. become such good teammates? I think, honestly, in my opinion, a lot of people on our team just don't. They're not super, like, result-oriented and a lot more process-oriented. So I think, like, you know, those those goals, like whether it's an award or a tournament, kind of don't really come into play. And we all appreciate that we're very similar in how we work towards a goal. And even if they're really different, like, we're all kind of working towards the same thing of just becoming better and better each day as people, students and athletes. Um, And we're really good friends off the golf course, which helps a lot. And we genuinely really like spending time with each other. So it doesn't, doesn't feel super hard to be team oriented. In fact, like I don't, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to see it another way. So I think that's the easiest part because I just, I just have great teammates. Is it more fun to get water thrown on you or more fun to throw it on your teammates after they win? Throw it on your teammates. It's a lot more fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, the receiving end just isn't as much fun, is it? No, no. I kind of, and don't take this the wrong way, I would really like for that thing to stop to go away because it really kind of ruins like pictures of champions. Yeah, I agree. Like I just, I was, I had a wet shirt on for the trophy. Yeah. Like I, I, I kind of like to see that whole thing kind of. Also, sometimes they'll do the thing where they poke the hole in the cap. So you're only getting like, you know, I, the idea of the water is there, but you're not like drenched. Right. I, I got a full blown, like yes. six bottles, open cap, not even a full and spring cap, like the big, like a huge cap. Yeah. So I was drenched, but it's okay. Yeah, I, I will mean, gladly take it. Yes, I mean it's not. I, I don't want people to stop celebrating. But they don't. Me. They don't do that ever for guys' tournaments, right? Why, uh, who started this? They. I don't. Or know. no, they do. They do. They do. They do a little bit, but I not. I, yeah, they do. They do. I just. I see that happening, and I'm. I'm like, oh man, because you know I'm there to kind of capture it, and you know it's kind of. It's it's all about me, is what I'm saying. Don't ruin my picture. It is though so i, I guess know. it's gonna stick yeah well keep winning keep dealing with it well i'm glad i got you uh g- glad you picked up that win because that means uh you're, you're back at uh at the back of the range and uh thrilled to have you and uh i think i'll be seeing you at some point in the fall or the spring and uh yeah go have a great second year at stanford and uh yeah st- thanks for stopping by the back of the range thank you thanks for having me on and there you have it. Special thanks to Mega Gane for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, follow SEC Match Play and the Back of the Range on Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. I'm off to Birmingham. I'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range. <laughs>